0: Well, if you ask for my professional opinion, if you want to find the most challenging, most difficult, most confounding passage in all the Gospels, you just heard it. It's part of the Sermon on the Plain, and for those of us who like to stew and pout and be embittered about the past, we need to know that it's it's also the most fundamentally Christian teaching because it is the passage that calls each of us to be the most Christ-like. More than that, it calls on us to be perfect, as our heavenly Father is perfect. Our gospel begins today, then, by just putting it out there: love your neighbors. That's a tall order. Love your neighbors, and the rest of the gospel describes what love your neighbors entails: turning other cheek, giving away your cloak, and the most radical and countercultural of all praying for your persecutors. It sounds nice, even heroic, on paper, and when we're thinking about it generally, but take a moment to think about and reflect on those people in your own life. Then we start to have a little trouble. Consider all the people who have hurt you, those who have lied about you, those who have stabbed you in the back. Remember the ones who spread rumors about you that were untrue, those who have gossiped about you, or judged you, or mocked you, or bullied you. If you're a hardline Democrat, think about the least favorite Republican you can think of, and vice versa, and then love your enemies. As a priest, I think about the lazy, or selfish, or scandalous priests, so it's easy for me to hate them. Consider the friend that you've trusted who has betrayed you, the coworker who broke your confidence. The person whose name you'd rather forget who wounded you or disrespected you or took advantage of you or even abused you. Look back, yes, and all the people in your life who have left bruises and scars, literally, or with words, or a look, or a touch. And now imagine doing what Jesus commands you. Love them. And not only that, but pray for them. Pray for their good. Pray that the grace will come into their lives. And most especially, pray that their eyes may be opened and their troubled hearts may be healed. This is the key to what Jesus is saying. Because chances are, if someone has hurt you or persecuted you, it's probably because someone did the same to them. And Jesus knew that this is a vicious cycle because hurt people hurt people. And that fundamental truth of our humanity, that the cycle just keeps going, may be the reason why Jesus in the gospel passage says, Stop. Enough. Break the cycle. Let it go. Love your enemies and pray for your persecutors. And by loving that hurting person, you can make them think before they hurt someone else. Heard a story about a black woman in South Africa walking with her children during the apartheid period of the history of that nation. And a white man passed by and spit directly into her face. And she stopped and said, God bless you and thank you. And now for the children. He was stunned in silence. This woman was able to confront the wrongdoer. And yet she preserved his humanity in the hope of awareness and conversion. I have to admit, I have a hard time loving my enemies. I think it's because my family is littered with grudge holders. My Polish grandfather had 11 sisters. 11 sisters, and although many of them were very close, they also fought like cats and dogs. I had an aunt that didn't speak to my cousin for so long, like 40 years, that she forgot why she was so mad at her. That's just ridiculous. But the cause of her anger wasn't the point in time. An otherwise nice person in time, you could actually tell that she was enjoying doing the opposite of loving your enemies. As sick as it sounds, she enjoyed hating my cousin and enjoyed her setbacks and suffering. Yes, when you're angry and you let it stew in your heart, retribution and hostility starts to make you happy in a sinful sort of way. This kind of thinking is ultimately self-destructive. It destroys us. And Jesus himself knew that. He knows we can do better. He knows we can aim higher. Be perfect, he says, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Sometimes we want to easily dismiss this mandate as some sort of rabbinic exaggeration. Yet look how far Jesus took this. That is, in the final moments of his life, he showed us his perfection. He taught us what he meant in his own life. That is, surrounded by his enemies and his persecutors, he hung on the cross bleeding and gasping and naked as they gambled for his clothes and waited for him to die. And in that moment, Jesus had every right to be angry and to hate. But Jesus pleaded and prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. This is the perfection to which we are called, our model for living, captured at the moment of Jesus' death. Here is love beyond measure, for a prayer for a broken and fallen world. Yes, at one time or another, each of us has been suspended on our own crosses, feeling helpless and hurt and hopeless and facing cruelty and or injustice. Maybe we're there now, angry at what life has done to us. How do we pray for and love those who are responsible? How do we take the first steps? How do we begin? You know, a popular Depression-era preacher named Emmett Fox once explained it in a way that I think we can all understand. We have to start by forgiving even the most egregious sins. Let it go. He says, by not forgiving... We are tied to the one that we hate. The person perhaps in the whole world whom we dislike in the ve- is the very one to whom we are attaching ourselves for even a life sentence. You know, I think and imagine like agreeing to enter into the picnic game the three-legged race with your worst enemy for life. Is that what we want? We need to untie the rope by letting go of anger and bitterness. Then... And only then do we begin to heal and to love and to pray for those who have hurt us so deeply. I think it begins for Catholics when we receive the Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Today, as you approach the altar receive the body of Christ, pray simply to untie the rope. Pray for the grace to love the unlovable, to forgive the unforgivable, and to remember in prayer those you'd rather forget. If you think, as your pastor, I've easily achieved this biblical mandate, you'd be wrong. I have a long way to go. Perhaps you have a long way to go, too. But only in the beginning of that journey toward love, only then do we dare approach the perfection that Christ spoke of, a perfection we can never fully attain but which we are all to strive day by day. It is our call then to strive to be more than what we are. For Jesus said, strive to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So perhaps during this liturgy, we can meditate on his likeness, hanging over our altar of sacrifice, and remember that Jesus showed us the way. How could any of us in the context of the cross not try at least to follow?